they may think you're a kick-ass vocalist, but you just don't look the part. And that's not unfair for them to say, and it's not fair also for us to take away going, I killed it vocally. Why didn't I get it? Well, you know what? You just might not have been right. That didn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that you did something poor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Confessions of an Actress podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Patterson. And I'm still here in my home studio here in Los Angeles. I've been home for about three weeks now, and I'm healthy, and my family is healthy, luckily, and we are um, doing our best, as we all are, to balance the anxiety, the fear, and trying to be positive. So if you have come to this podcast looking for an escape from everything, welcome this is an interview with my friend Tony Vincent, who is an incredible recording artist and singer, performer, Broadway star, and we recorded this episode pre-corona. Pre-corona is my little humor for you guys. <laughs> um, and he gives some great advice about being an artist. You know, he and his family are in Nashville, and they are healthy. A lot of his live performances that we talk about in this episode have been canceled or postponed, um, but if you get a chance to, you know, see him perform and see him on stage, run to see him. He's incredible. Um, so I hope you sit back and enjoy this episode and this conversation with um, Tony Vincent and and get some great advice about life and about taking care of yourself and being a performer. So without further ado, here is the amazing Tony Vincent. So hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. I'm so, so happy to talk to you, Tony. I, you know, I, I have, I don't even know the last time I saw you. It had to have been when we were doing, I'm assuming Rocktopia at some point. Yeah, I think it was, which was yeah. a, uh, two years ago. No. I think so. Wow. I think you're right. Yeah. Because Jet was a baby. I remember coming over to your place in New York and, and holding him. Right, and right. and now he's about to be two, right? He, yeah, he just turned two like two weeks ago. So you're you're totally on point. Yeah. Oh my God. So thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're busy. You're traveling all over the place, doing so many wonderful things, and and you just had surgery. You just had two yeah, surgeries. <laughs> yeah, not just one, but two. I wasn't performing at all in February, so I was like, you know what? Let's just make it happen, and I, and I'll cross my fingers and hope the recovery is is shorter than they, you know, recommend. And that's a part of this industry that you don't know that like we have to fit in like life stuff like surgery, you know, yeah. to take care of our body in between Absolutely. our gigs. And this was my first gig. I mean, I had some. I had when I was doing We Will Rock You in London, I I did actually have some uh, some vocal surgery. Yeah, and I was out. Of, I was out of pocket for like six weeks before I came back to the show, and so. But that was the only time like that was kind of disruptive to my, you know, performance calendar. Wow. What kind of surgery did you have to have, vocal surgery? Yeah. So it, it actually, it sounds much more, you know, substantial than it really was. So when I was born, I had a, a little tiny blood vessel on the inside of my left vocal fold that was literally on one of the vocal folds, like right when, when it met the other one, you could sort of see it connect with the other one. And there was a couple of times three to be exact, and the third one happened when I was in We Will Rock You in London, where I would either scream really loud or the first time I think it happened, I coughed on on something, a piece of food or something, and it burst the blood vessel on the left vocal fold. It's not like blood came pouring out. It was like it bruised. And so what happened was that, that, that vocal fold filled up with blood and became immobile. So I could produce zero sound. I mean, literally, it was like, I could obviously do this. Oh, That's wow. Because it wasn't meeting the other vocal fold. Oh my it, God, it that's frightening. Up, was, yeah. And so that was kind of scary. Um, yeah. That's your whole like li livelihood. And how did you find out that you had that on your, on your cord? They scoped me many times over. It wasn't anything that I didn't know um, going into the show or, or anything like that, but it was like, you know what, we're just going to go in we're going to cauterize it. So it doesn't exist anymore. And it sort of puts this, you know, out of the realm of possibility. Thank God. But that's yeah. insane to to think about that you were born with that and like who knew that you were going to be the singer that you are. Well, you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of crazy. And that I have like a deviated septum and small, small entrance points into my sinuses, which is why I just had sinus surgery. And I've always had lung conditions because I was th almost two months premature. I mean, it's like, why did I choose this career path? <laughs> no, it, cho it, it, chose, it, 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 you know, it shows it, you. It well, shows it you. you. It keeps you humble. 
That's what it does. It does. It does. But I think <laughs> it's like one of the things that audiences don't know about like performers that we're human and we all have like flaws and things that are happening with our bodies. Like you, I mean, I, I love the, the sinus surgery picture on your Instagram. Cause I, I think I, I commented and said, it's, it looks like a, like an album cover. It's like, it, <laughs> well, it should be. To, I, I always have to edit appropriately, you know, I don't want it to be. <laughs> no, but it's like, but, but those challenges I think are, um, are one of the things that, that I don't know if we talk, I, I guess we're more transparent now. It's not like the old days when everybody would hide all their flaws, like in terms of the entertainment industry. Sure, it's like, now sure. we kind of just start, we just talk about it all because we should, because we're human and we push through those things and, and we get surgeries done when we don't have a gig, like you were packing yeah. in this and you had knee surgery as well. Yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I'm coming from the, the, the dancer world and I'm, I'm really shocked that I haven't had to have, cause we're around the same age. Like I haven't had, yeah. I haven't had to have any surgeries and I have just, you know, worn my body down from tapping and kicking my face and all those things that we do. Um, but body wise or vocal cord wise or lung wise, like we have to take care of ourselves in so many ways in this industry. Yeah. And that leads me to my next question, because I do on my podcast wellness Wednesdays, every Wednesday, okay. I kind of do like body, mind and spirit. How do you take care of yourself? So yeah. how do you take care of yourself? Cause you travel so much. And I mean, I think about your sinuses and like being on an right. airplane and all that stuff. How do you take care of all that? It's a good question. I don't you know, have like the, the end-all be-all answer. I, I think everybody's body is so unique to their own thing. And whatever your, you know, your own thing that you do, your, the, the prescription that you write for your own health is what works for you. And yeah. what I do and what I do may not work for you. You know, I'm not a dancer at all in the slightest, you know, I, I can move, but that's- You that's, move really well. I well, remember that, Rocktopia. That's, that's, <laughs> that's way over encouraging. Um, but the, so when I, when I asked the surgeon, I'm like, why is this happening? You know, because, you know, he knows that I've done professional theater for the last 20 years. And he's like, you know, it's because you're dancing. I'm like, uh, no, I don't dance. And he goes, oh, <laughs> it's because you're so bow-legged. Oh, you are? Joke. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that yeah. about you. And I've, I've seen you on stage. You don't look yeah. bow-legged at all. Yeah. So that's, okay. anyway, that's, so how do I take care of myself on a normal sort of trajectory of, of performance schedule and that sort of thing? I, <clears throat> because I've had sinus issues, I'm, I'm an avid neti potter, frankly. Oh, um, me too. I love the neti pot. I mean, yep. it's literally part of like, I brush my teeth, I neti pot every single morning. It's yeah. like part of my MO. Um, I, I'm really specific about what I eat. I've done a low carb diet for over 20 years now. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's not like I got in the bandwagon when, you know, keto became cool or, <laughs> yeah, no. or, or at, well, it kind of, it stemmed from my, my folks actually, I used to be like extremely low fat. Cause I always felt like, uh, I was a runner when I was younger and I felt strong, but I wanted to maintain my physique because mm -hmm. to me, you know, and this is, this is going to be a point where people are, um, they can call it for what it is, but I, I believe that I, I, if I look a certain way, I feel a certain strength, mm -hmm. there's something that works for me. And it also, when I, I mean, it, it could be, you know, past food issues and that sort of thing. But when I look at my physique and when I, when I feel strong, mm -hmm. it makes me feel purposed. It makes me feel valid. Yeah. It, that, and that could be twisted a lot. You know, I mean, I've been through a lot of therapy and, and I'm still coming out saying the kind of same stuff. Yeah. But when I when I when I feel strong and lean and thin and I can move, it makes me feel empowered, which then impacts my performance. Yes. So so food and nutrition it makes a huge difference. So when I when the when the whole low fat thing started to happen with, with Atkins, like it was like in around you know the late, late '90s, I think, yeah. Early, yeah. early 2000s or something like that. My folks. Yeah. Uh, back in New Mexico where I'm from, they sort of subscribed to it for a while and they like lost weight substantially. And I was get I was traveling a lot like globally and I was so frustrated because I had for so long, um, negated any sort of local cuisine of any place I went to mm -hmm. because it was there was fat in it or there was fat in it or there was fat in it. And I was like, sorry, I can't eat it. Sorry, I can't eat it. So I'm like, I'll take bread. I'll take rice. I'll take, you know, so it was, yeah. way, it was way high carbohydrates. It was, 
you know, moderate protein, and and I, but I never felt strong. I felt kind of lethargic, even though I was very thin. And then when my folks had this sort of occurrence with an Atkins thing, which you know was I don't know four or five months long in their lives at that point, I was like, whoa, you can eat like high protein. You can eat pork. God, I crave bacon. Where can I get a piece <laughs> of bacon? And I just, I literally, that was like the moment where I started to really educate myself on this new way of eating. And yeah. It, and, it, and it really hasn't changed since then. Yeah. Um, it's so, so I, smart because I think, you know, it's bio-individual. You know, I have a, a certification in holistic health that I got yeah. from the Institute for Integrated Nutrition in New York. And I wish I had that when I was starring on Broadway because I, as a dancer, have never known how to eat. And I, I, I wasn't raised uh, in an environment that, that you know, there was, you know, it's the American diet. We, we uh, it's everything is beige and everything yeah. is carbs and it doesn't help to fuel you as an artist. And, and going back to what you were talking about with your identifying your, your body in a way, I think it's actually healthy because you, you're identifying your body in a way like, like your body is your art. That is what you're bringing on stage. That is what you are using to do yeah. your work. So yeah. if you don't feel happy in your body, then it's going to affect your performance. Absolutely. It's going to affect it positively or negatively. If you feel positively about your body and you feel strong and you feel purposed, yeah. it's going to make affect your mental capacity. Entirely. Oh, all of it. Yes. Totally. You know, I, I just, I don't, I think people are like, oh, I'm, if I book that show, I'll work on losing 15 pounds. Well, wouldn't you love the opportunity to book that show and not have to deal with losing 15 pounds? To me, yeah. that's drama that you're adding to your life that you don't need to. Yeah. And it's also going towards like, I'm going to try to fit into a mold of who I think that they want me to look like or whatever, all those things right. that the mental part of this business can do to us, like with type and things like that, because- And it's unfortunate, but that yeah. does play a part in it. I mean, we'd be naive to say to people, it doesn't make a difference. It, it absolutely does. does. I guarantee- this is my my two cents of of that. I guarantee that if I had not looked the way I looked physically, mm -hmm. no matter how I sang, I don't think that I would have booked American Idiot. Yeah. But I think because I, when I read that character breakdown, I knew what that guy should look like. I mm -hmm. knew that he was so close to me. I knew this evil thing had to be attractive. Yeah. Because you can play bad and just be negative and boring. It's, it's <laughs> if you're just evil, it's it flatlines, but when yeah. you when you're attractively seducing the evil side, yeah. It's a completely different level for an actor and you can have so much weight to your presence on stage. Pardon the pun, but um, no, it's <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I absolutely you, do. It's embodying are, the character and when yeah. you do that and and a lot of people do that in film and they, you know, they'll lose weight for a character, they'll gain sure. weight for a character, things like that. Right. But but when you, you know, um I totally agree with you that you you looked the part and you had the essence of it and if you had to tweak something physically for yourself to embody mm -hmm. that character, then that is what we do. Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, if this guy actually, even though he was sort of a, a, a spirit esque kind of person that was, you know, you know, the, the lead character's doppelganger in a sense. Yeah. I mean, he, if the guy is a, a drug user, he has to look like a drug user. He's not yeah. going to look like he's, you know, eating hot dogs down on you know, 42nd <laughs> Street. He just can't. It yeah. doesn't work. And it so it doesn't you better, work. You better step up. And so when I, Part of me, because I'm so territorial about that role, I I, was, I had so much pride in what I I brought to that show and just yeah. that the show's experience with Stephen Hoggett, you know, uh, choreographing the show and Michael Mayer directing it and working so closely with Billy Joe on that and just there was something that was so beautiful about that cast because so many of us were musicians before we were you know actors or at least many of us played instruments yeah and it makes a huge difference to a musical individual in my opinion i think yes. you, you become so much closer to the music if you i'm not saying you have to be a great guitar player but if you play an instrument you see music differently you feel music differently absolutely and, yes and i think that was what was so special about that initial company but when i see you know other reincarnations of the show and i see uh, a saint jimmy that looks like he's a couch potato it just it makes me go gosh I mean, and I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm being really transparent with you, and I no, and, and I can, love it, can, and I well, it, you can call me out on it and say, Tony, you're just really you're you're being judgmental. Well, maybe, but what I am is trying to just, I I felt like it just needs that kind of commitment of like I need to look dangerous, I need to look yeah. lean and linear and sexy and like a snake on that stage, and 
I think people miss that perspective. It's not about losing weight. It's not about just being thin. It's about does this work for this role? It really, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yes. And, I, and I, don't, I think I fit in so well with that, just kind of walked into it. No, and I absolutely don't think you're being judgmental at all. I think you're being passionate about your art. I think you're being passionate about a role that you have such a connection to. And you, if you go off and see it be done in a way that you, that isn't up to the standards of what you see, then yeah. it's frustrating. And I, yeah. you know, in, 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 in the opposite, I, you know, I, I've seen people play roles that I originated that I've been like, I just wish that you would just, just add a little more passion to this, this part of the dance, or if you really focused on, you know what I mean? And that, and, and, and that's what makes, that's what makes this industry, this industry interesting is Mm. because it's, it's a living art. It's a living, breathing thing. These characters that we play and sometimes people will go off and play them differently and we'll see it. And we, we all have opinions and we have, you know, positive intentions, but all of that stuff. But I think that that's important. Um, to be transparent and vocalize that, you know, it's like, it sort of makes me think of like, why not do it all the way? Like why do it at all? If you're not going to go all the way with it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm either in 110 or I'm out. And that's totally what I see in you. Like we've never worked together in a show, but I've seen you, you know, you were on stage with my husband and I've seen you in a couple other things, concerts. And I'm just like, you are 125% if not 225%, when you get on that stage from the moment you're on that stage. And I love that so much in any performer because, you know, that's, that is how I feel about performing. It's how I feel about this industry. It's how I feel about what we do. I'll tell you something. I think uh, it contributes to a couple of things in my life. I, I was raised with a really, really hardcore, diligent work ethic from my father. Mm -hmm. Um, number one, uh, and, and number two, the the older I get, the more grateful I am that I'm still performing. Like I can't, I don't know too many people who who kind of grew up doing this that are still doing it. You know, yeah. I look look back at my old like high school mates and that sort of thing. And you know, I think Meredith that just every chance I get to hit a stage, I'm 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 more committed than I was the last time. I don't care if it was last week. Totally. I, I just like, I, I feel so damn blessed that I can go and go out of town for three or four days and come home and still support my family. And I get that artistic box checked off and then I get, get to kiss my kids' faces, you know? Yeah. I mean, nothing to me is more gratifying. It, nothing holds more weight in my life. Yeah. I mean, I'll always be a performer. It will always move me, whether it's I'm on stage or I'm helping someone else get to that place on stage and encourage yeah. them and then get to go be a father. It's just the greatest, greatest thing that I know. It really is. And and you, you, you're speaking so well to, you know, to, to all of the, the balance of that and the gratitude that, that comes. And, you know, hopefully some people, I feel like when they get to be, uh, 20 plus years in the business, get this bitterness about them. And I don't, um, I do understand that because this business can beat you down sometimes if you, if you let it, and that's going back to the mental part of it. But if you, if you, come from a place of gratitude and that you are just grateful to be able to do this. Every time I get a chance to step on stage and I'm a mom of two and I know your wife's yeah. a mom of two, you're a father of two, like the, the, the balance of family and trying to do all of that while you're still performing is, is a difficult balance it is. to it have. Is. But every chance that I get to be back on stage and every chance I get to slip my feet into my tap shoes, like I am literally just so grateful. Even when I'm in pain the next day, <laughs> I'm super <laughs> grateful. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Totally. Totally. Oh, I shouldn't have kicked that high that night. I maybe yeah, shouldn't. Oh, those, was, those, those days are, I don't know if those days are completely over, but yes. But in terms of like my feet being sore, my, my voice being tired, you know, just, just the exhilaration of, of, you know, not being able to go to sleep after a concert mm. and then having to get up in the morning with the kids, like even all of that, I really, you know, I really love it so much and I can hear the same in you. And I think that that translates to our children so well, like that, that, like being able to watch their parents do what they love to do. I mean, how many stories or how many times have you heard that your parents watched their parents 
with zero passion about what they did. Oh, like, almost they, everybody. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking like industrial revolution time where mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you were punching your card in and out just to get the hell out of there. Yeah. And, uh, you can't and wait s- until the weekend. Everything is yeah. like, you know, I hate Mondays and all those things that you hear that are cliche that we, we as artists, like I really, you know, aside from the, the small little, complaints that maybe you have like, Oh, it's eight show week and I'm tired, but that's really, but, but I would never trade it for the world. You know, exactly. yeah. it's, yeah. it's a very different way of life. It is. And this is the other thing is, I mean, you, you're, you're touching on something that it's, it's such a unique way of life that, you know, I've, I've started, uh, implementing, uh, personal coaching and teaching, um, through a company yeah. called PCG theatrical. But if the young person that I'm working with does not have a fire in their belly to do this. Yeah. I en- I encourage them to please stop. Don't yeah. do this. Don't do it to your parents. Don't do it to yourself. Don't, you know, find something that really engages you or at least find a career that's that's enjoyable. Yeah. Because this is this kind of career that you and I have chosen is not just something to enjoy in my opinion. Absolutely. You, you have to be fueled because it is something that you cannot not do. Yeah. Now, how did you get into it? Because how did you get into the business? Like how, or how did you like, cause I know I was dragging my mother to the car to take me to dance class at the <laughs> age of, at the age of three. I was like, right. come on, mommy. I mean, she tells me stories about how I literally could not wait to get into class. And I was, I was dancing and singing and acting from the time I can remember. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm wondering how did that, that, where did that passion come from in you? Well, uh, I'm going to repeat myself because I, I I tell this story quite frequently of like people are asking what, what you know what was the first thing that kind of turned you on to this and yeah. I, literally I was I was four years old and I heard a Beatles record and really was, okay. yeah, I, heard hard, I heard Hard Day's Night and it literally changed my life it made me go I don't know what's coming out of these speakers but I know I want to be a part of it and so I I started playing drums at a really young age. Um, six and a half, seven years old. And oh, wow. Is, I've never right. seen you play the drums. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> there's, a re- there's a reason for that. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> my no, dad, my, actually... my, my dad's a jazz drummer and my sister and my brother are drummers too. So, and I oh, drum, good. I drum with my feet. So maybe when you come out to California, you're going to have to drum and I'll tap. Fair dance. enough. We'll tap. We'll but, do that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something that because I was a drummer from the get go. Now, granted, I, I was a singer before that. I think I probably could sing before I was drumming but it it has so impacted the way that I sing, the way that I deliver content, the way that yes. I, uh, the way that I, I, because I, everything to me is rhythmic. Every yes. single, I breathe rhythmically. And I think that that is why I, a lot of the times have gotten cast in certain roles um, is because I, f- I feel music l- differently than an actor. It, but so to answer sort of your question, how did you do this? I, well, I, I started as a, as a musician um, and I then used my young years, like elementary school, middle school, high school, to perform as much as I could. And it didn't matter what the venue was. So it, it could have been like church choir or battle of the bands or... Um, <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't matter or theater or musical theater, whether it was civic light opera or through my high school or whatever. Yeah. It didn't matter. And that's how I got a taste of what being an actor was and being a good storyteller. And so, cause that's what I wanted. Now I, I can, I can look back on my life and say, that's what I wanted then. But you know, I don't think in the moment I had, I was set out to go, I got to be the best storyteller I possibly can on that stage. It was more like I cannot not perform and I don't care what that avenue is. And so I had a lot of musical experience growing up as a child, but I never told anybody that because, you know, as a musician, you fear that you're just, dis- and especially back then um, in the, the 80s and that sort of thing, if you told anybody that you were an actor, you're not a musician. It's just all there is to it. Yeah, you can't um, you, you can't cross cross over. You can't. And you can't be still, everything. Yeah. You know, there's obviously more chances of that happening in a, in a positive way now. But I still, you know, uh, I you know, I'm such a, a fan of Johnny Depp as an actor. Yeah. And you know, I I see him as a guitar player with uh, Hollywood Vampires, and I'm like, no, just no. It looks like <laughs> you're it looks like you're acting the role of a guitar player. <laughs> So anyway, so that, I love that, Johnny that, Depp. I, Johnny Depp's yeah, my yeah. Johnny Depp's like my. You my, and me both. Don't get me wrong. I am I am a, such a fanboy for. Yeah, him. me too. Um, but I just put the guitar down, go back to film. Go yeah. doing you know play guitar 
on your own time. <laughs> no, but, and I and I totally I totally hear you, but I, I feel I, I feel like either people want to do everything or they, you know, they're they're trying to do some other parts of the industry, like, you know, actors who try to uh, get on stage and sing and maybe they're not well, a singer, things like that. You know, there's the old adage of every every actor wants to be a rock star and every rock star wants to be an actor. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, it's so, so true. Um, but anyway, that's how I got into this. And that's and I I moved to Nashville to go to, to university. This is in 91. And I got a record deal during my second year with EMI. Toured for six and a half years on two records. Um, and when I moved to New York in 97, I was I was looking for another record deal. I wanted a little bit more aggressive, rock-focused record deal because it was pretty conservative in, in Nashville and not where my heart was. And then I found myself on the first national tour of Rent before going to Broadway with it. Within yeah. Only, only three weeks of moving to New York. So it was like so right place, so right time. A lot of relationships that I had had helped me get an audition in the first place. Um, but that's that's sort of birthed me onto a, a Broadway, you know, trajectory. Yeah. And, and, and what's, what's so amazing is that it is right, right time that you came to New York in 97 and rent, you know, was exploded, had exploded and you were perfect for that. And, and to, and, you know, a lot of times with the industry, we have an idea of what we want our career to be. And it sort of takes us into, um, you know, different genres, but like you, um, I've always wanted to do everything. You know, Mm. I, I, I play piano. I do, I do not play guitar, but I play a little bit of guitar. Um, I dance and sing and act and all of those things. And it's really just coming from a place of wanting to perform. So like you sitting, sitting down as a kid and listening to the Beatles, that was already in you. Like that just listening to the Beatles, just electrified whatever was you were born with. And that's what I feel like when you're talking to those kids that you're coaching and you because I used to teach at a university here and I would ask the same question. Is there anything right. else you want to do? Because Go if do it's, it. yes, <laughs> if, I mean, I mean, it's, and it's not trying to be mean and it's not trying to douse their dreams or anything. It's just that you really are, are competing with people who across the board, when they're in this industry, they have a fire in their gut and they right. cannot think of anything else to do. And they are, it is, it is fueling them. That's right. Yeah. So you can't, you can't be competing with that. So Absolutely. I totally agree with that advice. It's Absolutely. a really good advice. Super good advice. Um, oh my God. Now I just want to perform with you. I just don't know how we would do it because <laughs> we'd kill it. We'd kill it. that's how we do it. <laughs> we would kill it because going back to like, like, like how you, how you look in this industry or the way that you, that you, the way you envision yourself and the characters you're attracted to things like that. I've always been sort of a ginger Rogers and like, Dustin, you know, my husband is, is yep. more of like a Steven Tyler kind of, kind of vibe. Right, so right. like, I, we always said like, that would be such a cool, like show to like meld those worlds together that are so mm-hmm. different. <laughs> that that would be the show we could do you together, know, Tony. I, I, you, you just touched on something that, again, that, that I kind of want to highlight. Now I, I, I almost didn't go there, but I'm going to go there anyway. Okay. I think it's important in this industry to know what you're really good at and to know what you're not good at. Yes. Yes. Because we aren't all things to all people. Like, no. I guarantee you, I will never be some romantic male on a Broadway stage. It is not what I do. It is not my physique. It is not, I don't look Americana. I look English and wafy and white-skinned and translucent and dangerous and kind of odd and kind of scary and a little creepy. <laughs> But, but you're awesome. I mean, well, I, yeah. Well, I, I just, I know what makes sense to, for me to go out for. And I've even had, you know, I've even just by chance throwing to the wind, my agent sends me out on something that I, I, I knew would never be right, but I just did it for the sake of almost proving to myself that, yep, you're right. This is not for you. And I've, I've never once, you know, booked something that I knew that was not right for me, no yeah. matter how I felt about the audition, you know, because people behind those tables are well experienced for the most part and they can see through they they may think you're a kick-ass vocalist but you just don't look the part and that's not unfair for them to say and it's not fair also for us to take away going i killed it vocally why didn't i get it well you know what you just might not have been right that didn't mean you know that doesn't mean that you did something poor yeah you, you should feel insignificant. It just means that probably just wasn't right for you. Absolutely. That is a really good point. And, and it, it is something that we have to, 
we really do have to get a grasp on as artists. And I feel like once, once you're in the industry for as long as we've been in the industry, you, you know what your type is, you know, or at least you should know yeah. what you're good at and what you're not good at. And like, like you saying that you'll never be a romantic lead, like I'm never going to be on stage doing, you know, rocktopia or doing, you know, that is just not vocally where I sit. That's not where that, that is not my, my type of Mm. singing. I am more of a 1940s, 50s singer. And just, just, just in that way, like if, if, if we were to ask you to come and sing something that was 1950s and 1940s and have that kind of round crooner sound that, that is not what that's not in your wheelhouse as as I say. That's right. And that's okay. Like we don't all have to be everything to everyone. And, and that is where, um, I do think that people get caught up in that a lot because they, they, they focus on just getting a part or as instead of getting the right part. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's a really, it's really, that's really good advice. Um, <laughs> I just, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I literally could do like like a you know four hour interview with you. But we could do a part two. <laughs> we could do a part two. Um, you're right now touring uh, with the David Bowie show, doing Symphony. Uh, uh, is that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm about three years ago, right after Bowie had died. Mm-hmm. Um, I was approached by a company out of Virginia Beach who has for the last gosh, 18 plus, maybe over 20 years, um, started with a symphonic Zeppelin show. Okay. And, and, and they, they now, their catalog, I think they have maybe 11 or 12 different acts. And, and they you know, added some and, and dropped some and that sort of thing. I think they had a, a Doors show for a while. And so when Bowie died, someone who had, I believe, worked with this company in the past had seen me in an American Idiot. And they were like, you got to hear this guy sing. And so I went to Virginia Beach and, and auditioned with them and their band. Um, and that was kind of it. And that sort of was, it was a great time for me because I wasn't involved in a Broadway show. I wanted to return to doing music full time and the kind of schedule where you get in the day before the show, the day of the show, you have the rehearsal with the symphony performed that night. And then you go back home, you know, with, with, with one child and one on the way, it was the ideal situation of where I was able to sing and tick the box off of being a performer and still be present while, you know, all hands on deck were important. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I, you know, even though I say, um, the Beatles were the, that sort of initial domino, I will say probably no other artist apart from Bowie has had an impact on my life. Like he has. Uh, oh, absolutely. How I, how I hear music, how I sing, how I write a lot of the time. Um, you know, fashion sense. I mean, the guy was just, I, I adored the unknowing of him. And I think that, you know, you, you, and I think I love music about that age anyway, because there was no social media. There was no nothing. All you knew was what you saw in press, in a, like a music magazine or on a CD. And the fantasy that would go on in your mind about what is this person like, especially with a Bowie who looked kind of alien-esque in his own right. Yeah, so um, cool. I mean, you just, all you just, what is this person like? And that's what made records back then so freaking great is because you didn't know what they ate for breakfast. All you could imagine is like, do they even live on this planet? Yeah. You know, especially like with a character like he was. Um, I miss the mystery in music. I miss it so much. I yeah. hate social media. I hate knowing what we know about people, yeah. good, bad, and any and anything in between, because it robs me of the story I want to tell myself. Yeah, it robs you of your of your take on it or your yeah. envision of it. Of you know, and that that is it was a simpler time. It wasn't such a chaotic, too much information time. And yeah. I feel like you know, back in um, going to like you know movies and and the movie musical days when the studios used to basically control the image of mm. um, of the artist. I feel like you know, uh, in 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 being friends with some of the people who were in the studio system back then, yeah. you know, some people had bad views of it. Some people had good views of it. And I thought, I think it just kept the, the artist, um, a mystery. Like you said, like you, you, you didn't know the details of, of every single life instance of every actor that you, you know, (laughs) that you follow or, or, or musician or any of that. Um, and I absolutely see the, the Bowie influence in you and, and in your music. And that leads me to 
asking the question of how did you start writing music? When did that start for you? Sure, sure. So I think um, after I was playing drums, my sister was a, a classical pianist or she took piano okay. lessons. And yeah. we, had a, we had a baby grand in our house. And um, I was like, I, there was something in me that just wasn't satisfied by just being a drummer. I wanted to create something. I wanted to yeah, I wanted to create something that was original, that had never been done before. And so I started, you know, basically listening to records, playing by ear, and then just writing silly love songs on a, on a piano. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's how it started. And then a friend of mine, when I was 13, brought a synthesizer over. And okay. I was like, what the hell is this brilliance? Because <laughs> whatever I'm hearing, and I and I actually had a couple of synthesis records, uh, my, or my dad did part of his vinyl collection, and I was I was always enamored by it. But to, yeah. see, to see knobs and to hear sounds that, that you'd never really heard before sort of be generated out of keys that you pushed by with your own fingers, that sent me on a trajectory of, of leaving drums and becoming very heavily involved in programming synthesizers and programming drums um, and, and, and early sampling. I mean, and people don't know what that's like now because pro audio has revolutionized what we used to do back then. They have no concept of, of how difficult it actually was to create yeah. – to create drums and drum sounds and stuff that really kicked ass. But and now is just so now now is just like a push of a you button. You buy Logic for one ninety nine, and you have more more capabilities to to put together a track than anybody else could have ever fathomed in yeah. the mid to late eighties. Yeah, I remember that 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 um, you know that sound that we heard in the eighties, and the first time we heard it, we were just like, "What is this? You know, what is oh. this? What is this music?" And yeah. I can I can hear that in your album, your your um. Um, your new album that you have, which, which yeah. is the title is in my head. Correct. Yeah. 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 I can hear that. I actually thought of the first thing I thought of was the cure. Actually. <laughs> I will, I will listen. I'll tell you, I'm so heavily influenced by British music, even, even till now. Um, I'm the biggest Anglophile. I listen, I love being an American, but I feel that I was born in the wrong country. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I've been so influenced by, Duran Duran and Depeche Mode and The Cure and Alphaville, even though they're they're not UK, um, but but English bands, English music, Beatles, um, not really Stones as much as as really sort of synth pop and guitar driven. I mean, I, I you know ate, slept and and breathed Oasis for a long long time, and so oh, yeah, that, that that kind of guitar sound that that Noel Gallagher. Um, has you know through through a Marshall it's just it's it's an iconic sound of guitar that I cannot get out of my head I'm I'm always referencing British rock and British pop it's just it's what it's what continues to move it's I, it's interesting that now you can hear that incredibly prevalent even though hip hop and R and B dominates what's going on technically or or I'll say like sonically. So much English influence of of early synthesis and that sort of stuff plays a huge role in in even even the last I would say forty eight months I would say the last two years yeah of, absolutely of, of what's happening in, in hip hop and 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 just how how much more orchestrated stuff is now and how much more how much more synth is present as be, you know before it was like you know when we were talking about rap and and hip hop and from like Beastie Boys to Run DMC to, to early stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it was, it was very dry and drums were very, very processed and everybody was, you know, grabbing the, the newest samples off of records and, and, and that sort of thing. And so it was, it's, we've experienced a huge, I mean, even since, since early Dre stuff, it's, it's a very different world sonically out there. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's, that's the hip hop that I, you know, that, that I was introduced to and I'm, you know, huge Dre fan and, and, and I still listen to, you know, that, that, that early hip hop stuff I listen to as well, as well as the recent stuff as well. But yes, yes. In terms of the synth and yes, in terms of all of the influence that, you know, I, as you were talking, I was thinking like, maybe you were like, you know, like in a past life, you were, <laughs> you were born in the UK and a rock star. It, it awfully, it feels very warm whenever I'm there. It's really yeah. interesting, like I because I I'm actually working on a show and I, and and there's a song in it called I'm old fashioned and I'm talking about 
the era of, um, you know, going back to movie musicals, which I just was, uh, my mom put on singing in the rain when I was a kid and I was glued to the television. I, I, mm. I wanted to watch it every day. And it's something that feels like, like a warm blanket. Like when yeah. I, when I'm around that and it makes me go like, maybe this was something that I, you know, experienced in a past life. I can't figure it out. It just is something I'm drawn to, mm-hmm. which I find, it seems like is the same for you and and maybe for other artists out there. Like there is just certain stuff that you, that fire in your belly gets bigger yeah. when you hear yeah. that music, right? It does. Sure. Absolutely. Or you sing that music. And what's so great is that you, obviously people are picking up on that because they want you to sing the music that, that, that just makes you passionate. And, and it, you know, I think it shows. And I, yeah. I, I would love to see you do this David Bowie um, way show. Way. <laughs> <laughs> the calendar dates are on my website. Yes, calendar dates are on your website. So there you yeah. go. So so and and I'm I, I'm just always I'm completely always celebrating you and and your wife That's Aspen and and Sadie and Jet and I just I just adore you guys. I really do. And I um I think that you know you're a superstar to me. I I know that this industry is so up and down. I know um you can go from having a record deal to having a Broadway show to looking for your next job. But yeah. I think that, um, artists like you who have just such a passion for what you do, you're always going to rise up and be able to perform. That's just my, my thought process. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I hope you're right. I hope there's never a time I, unless it's by choice where I just, am like, yeah, I'm not performing anymore. And yeah. There is, a time, there is a time when I thought I wouldn't anymore, um, around the, the mid I'd say 2007, 2008. I tried to give it up to try to just distance myself a little bit because it can it can really damage you, you know. Was um, it was what was something did something um specifically happen or was it just like a feeling? Because I've been I I absolutely have been there with you. I started uh, if I'm really transparent with you, I started making really poor decisions, poor yeah. life decisions and it was affecting me. I was probably a bit you know, I think arrogance plays a part in it. And when you, when you, you're at the top of your game, you just think you're the shit. And yeah. I thought I was the shit in my own house and I just needed to get away from the applause. Yeah. It. But uh, it's like a drug. It, it can be very intoxicating. Yeah. And you, you and I have both, your press. you start believing your press. You, you yeah. are, you start on Broadway, you have all this attention on you and, and this industry feeds that. And they want you to, to be that, you know, when you're on the red carpet and you're doing yep. all these interviews, they want you to have that self-identity and you start, your ego starts, starts puffing up. I absolutely yep. know that feeling. And you start to, you know, yeah, you start to be too too big for your britches, as my mom would say. <laughs> yep, that was that was me, and I was like, you know, that's why. Again, it's it's probably it plays into the the immense uh, appreciation and and gratefulness that I still get to perform. Yeah, well, I think if you go through, you know. You 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 are you're at the height of your 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 game or or at the height at that moment of your game and then you realize that you know if you have the realization that you did um, that that my ego is taking over and I it's time for me to step back a little bit and time for me to come back to a place of gratitude I think that's also really good advice if you feel like you know the people that are closest to you are like you're kind of you know think that you're bigger than you're bigger than 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 life and you need to step back a little bit hopefully you have people in your life that can tell you that sure then the place to come back to is gratitude and if you can't figure out what you're grateful for i always say go from the tips of your toes to the tip of your head and just be grateful that you have the body that you have you have the life that you have you have the family that you have all of those things right yeah yeah, I, th- I, yeah, I just, I think too. Sometimes you just got to be knocked off your ass, you <laughs> or just, you have you, to be knocked off your ass because you don't, you don't, you don't have, you don't. Some people, I sure didn't. I didn't have the ability to go from my toes to my top of my head of appreciation. I, I was too close to the adulation. Yeah, I totally I get was, it. And I was, you know, I was, I was using a, a lot of substance, and I was just. I was in my own world, you know, and it felt great, mm-hmm. but it sure was destructive and it was not, it was not adding to anybody else's life. I think that plays a huge part of, of just being, you know, just feeling so damn blessed that I get to sing and kiss my boy, you know? Oh, yes. 
and you're beautiful and, and you're beautiful su- supremely smart girl and who you know dangerously smart <laughs> dangerously smart daughter that girl is she's i mean i'm always yeah, I'm, yeah it's, who we have it's, said it's you know i i told aspen that you know if max wants to marry anybody we could have you know that would that would be quite an amazing match so <laughs> it would she's tough this little girl man it, it, you know her and i have some some real struggles sometimes because she's so driven like her father. Yes, I know. It's just, I see myself in her so much of the time um, that it, it definitely, it scares me. It, it thrills me. Um, it mirrors yeah. you though. Doesn't it show your, yourself to you so much? I know how passionate I was as a kid and I still am. And I, I do have to pull the reins on those horses, if I will, when yeah. I, when I get into that place and I see that in Max, I see that in Billy, they're so passionate about life yeah. and about, about their opinion and about what they want and about, you know, even being creative. I mean, we've created these creative um, entities now. And I see myself in that. And I think that that is one of the the great things about being an artist and a parent is that you, you do, if, if the genes, you know, Aspen is an incredibly talented woman as well. And if you Mm -hmm. see the genes, not clash, if you will, but enhance, and then you see your children who have this ability, um, to become the first you know, female president. Yeah, uh, you know what? I would. She has yeah, my. She I has my vote. Yeah, she has mine too. I just. I wouldn't doubt that she. I mean, she has the ability without a, without a doubt. She's. She's like reading at a, an eleventh grade level at second grade. It's kind of bizarre. She yeah. just tested. Uh, it doesn't matter. But it's. It's. It's but kind it's, of. Haunt, it's hauntingly scary. It's hauntingly scary, and and I and and it's also just exciting, and and it makes you go back to to gratitude for your life and and your yeah. art and yeah. your passion and all of that, and I think that that is just um, it's a big part of being this industry is having is is having that passion. It all comes back to the comment you made early on about the fire in your belly. And she has the fire in her belly and jet, you know, I, I, I haven't held him since he was a baby, but in those little pictures, I'm just like, Oh, I can see it in him too. I see it in you, you know, know, but I'll tell you something. It's really weird. He's nodding his head to rhythm right on point where Sadie doesn't have a lot of musical ability. Yeah. Between me, you, and, and your podcast listeners. <laughs> That's okay. So, That's my okay. My son, on the other hand, is shockingly musical. Wow, um, yeah. Sadie thinks she is. <laughs> Jet just naturally is. It's going to be very interesting how this whole thing plays out. Well, and his name is Jet, so there you go. That's right there as a rock star name, so yeah. there you go. Uh, and Sadie, the first female president. That's um, right. That's right. I just adore, I adore talking to you. I think that there's so much more we didn't even cover, but you know, I, um, I just think that, that, you know, you're bringing so much to the stage and anyone who gets a chance to watch you perform is just, you know, going to walk away with a gift. I really, I really believe that. And thank you. I appreciate that very much. Hey, it is my pleasure. One thing that I do want to mention, because I think that, that having kids and, 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 you know, you taught young people. I'm, I'm essentially doing a dual career here where this, this next shift is, is impacting young people and making sure that we are breeding really authentically great performers who are yes. great, great storytellers on stage. And this, um, I don't know where people are in there the, of, of who your audience is, but check out PCG theatrical, pcgtheatrical.com because it is, it's something that is, has revolutionized uh, the way musical theater is taught. It is one-on-one uh, intensive coaching. I can explain it, um, but really the, there's a couple of even video pieces on that uh, that website that articulate what we do. And I'm, I'm just so excited to, and this has happened um, since June of last year. So we've, we're, we're pretty pretty deep now. Um, oh, that's with, awesome. With, you with know, several, several clients and young people. And um, it's incredibly exciting to see you know, one-on-one to be able to do essentially handcraft curriculum instead of going to a conservatory where you have to do what everybody else is doing. Oh, it's um, so smart. It's we, so we, smart. We, we offer an alternative that is, it's unsurpassed of what anything else is being offered in America right now. That's amazing. And that's something that I used to teach. I taught at two universities, performing arts universities here in Los Angeles. And it was one of the things that I was frustrated with as a teacher was that I couldn't teach 
to the person. I, exactly. I had to teach the curriculum. Exactly. It's so it's so frustrating because it is I so frustrating. Yeah, I myself am an, an actor, a singer, a dancer, a musician. I do ballet, I do tap, I do jazz, I do hip hop. On top of singing, you know, singing jazz, which is my dad's a jazz musician. I also right. like to, you know, sing. There's there's a there's a there was a lot of different things that I wanted to or, or that I have done in my career that I wanted to then teach. And at this university, they wouldn't allow me on exactly. faculty to cross cross my wires. I couldn't be a tap teacher and teach industry and networking and teach acting and teach musical theater performance. I couldn't do all of it. And I was like, why? This is what we, this is the business. So the fact that you have this now coaching company is amazing. And I totally agree. I've actually talked to a few people who are parents of, of college age performers. Right. They want to go off and they want to go to university. And I'm like, Oh, I wish that there was something that they could go to we, that isn't we that. Your, we are your alternative. And it doesn't have to be college level either. I mean, although we, we deal with that. Um, yeah. Whatever we, level it is. Exactly. We, and we will prep you if you want to get ready to go to school and do a conservatory experience, but we offer a, a college experience that is an alternative. Um, and then we'll also deal with you where you are at, at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, just to oh, be so ready great. I this. wish I had that it when was, I was a yeah. kid because I didn't want to go to college. I would have given, oh given, given my, yeah, you, I would have <laughs> given my left leg that I've never used to, to dance with. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that is, you know, it is a new age. We are, we, we don't need to do the way, you know, the, there, there is no real rules in our industry about how you get into it. That's one of the things like I always, I, I kind of go back to a super random thing, but Sammy Davis Jr. never finished high school and he had a really great career. So right. you, you, don't have to go and get a bachelor's degree of fine arts to do this industry. And, and as long as you have the skill and the ability and the confidence and the, the tools going into, you know, those big opportunities, you're set. And, um, you you don't need that piece of paper and you don't need to be in debt for it. You know, there's There's all those things. So there's so like, like I said, this is the part two of the podcast, but I, I love that information. I think that that, um, I'm going to put that in the show notes as well, but, uh, I, and any, any involvement you need me to be in, or I, I, I'm completely supporting you. I think it's incredible. Um, I'm incredibly proud of it. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like, uh, you are, you are, you are making waves of positivity out there in the world and sending Mm -hmm. the ripple effect, you know, if we are not investing in the ones that are coming behind us, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. We have to pay it forward. That's, that's very, we're being very selfish. We're being very selfish. Yes. That goes back to gratitude. Like I feel like in this position I am in the industry, I want to pay it forward. That's what this podcast is all about. It's paying it forward with information, paying it forward with, you know, the ability to ask questions of people who have been in this industry for so long. So thank you. And you have, you have, you have done that with this episode. I so appreciate you. And, um, and I hope to somehow see you guys soon. You know, I hope to somehow, um, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll get back to Nashville sometime. Maybe you guys will get to LA. Our wires will will cross. But absolutely, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get you out to a Bowie show. Yes, I would love that. I would yeah, love that. Absolutely. Thank, thank you so much, Tony. Meredith, this was awesome. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. To support this podcast or make a donation, visit anchor.fm slash confessions of an actress and be sure to follow us on Instagram at confessions of an actress. And the best way to support this podcast is to share it on your social media platforms. So like it, share it and go to iTunes and give us a rave review. I really appreciate it. And remember, especially now more than ever, have vision for what you want, but be grateful for where you are every single day. Sending you love. And thank you so much for listening.